You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Turn to Mark chapter 7, and we'll begin reading in verse 31. Mark chapter 7 and verse 31. While you're turning there, as we prepare to read God's word, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here today, Pastor. I want you to know to the church, we love your pastor and his wife and their family. We've known uh, the Jets for a long time and become friends over the years. And hey, the longer a friendship is, the better it gets. Amen. As long as we don't have any fusses or fights, it just keeps getting better. And we haven't had any of those along the way. And I, I, I praise the Lord and thank the Lord for the, the wonderful pastor and wife God has given you. And I know you understand that, and you'll understand it more and more as the years go by. And praise the Lord for that. God's man and and his wife in the right place serving the Lord. Praise God. And the people behind them. And not just behind them, but with them. Amen. I never liked that. Hey, we're behind you, Pastor. I'm saying, won't you come on up here and help? You know. (laughs) And and so, uh, praise the Lord for that. Amen. Mark chapter seven tonight, and verse thirty-one. I want to read down through verse 37 for our text. The Bible says, And again departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he, of course, that's the Lord, came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. They bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. Verse 37, I want you to notice what it says here. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Let's pray. Father, again tonight, we thank you for your precious word. And again, we pray uh, that your blessings be upon the reading of thy word. And Lord, we praise you knowing your word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father, I pray tonight that you'd help me as your servant to minister your word in such a way that you'll use it powerfully in the hearts of those that are gathered with us. Lord, our desire always is that the lost would see their need to be saved, that backsliders would be restored, and that faithful Christians would be edified and strengthened and built up in the faith. And I pray, Lord, there'll be conviction wherever it needs to be in people's lives. And Lord, I pray that we'd respond to your word and your spirit with submission and obedience. And Lord, I pray you'll be glorified, uh, not only through the preaching, but especially through the receiving and the heeding of thy word, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and please be seated. Tonight's message is based upon the statement made by some people who had observed the life and ministry, some of the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 37 of our text, uh, the Bible says, he hath done all things well. That's what the people observed about the Lord Jesus Christ. He had done all things well. He made the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. You know, I was thinking about that some time back. 
And I don't think I'm any doing any despite to the scriptures to, to go this direction tonight. Please follow with me. You know, they very well could have said he hath done all things perfectly. Because he did. However, Jesus is our supreme example. And our goal is to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Truth being that none of us are perfect. <laughs> and we don't do things perfectly. Every once in a while we might hit it right there for a little bit about something, but we don't do things perfectly. And therefore I'm wondering tonight, and maybe even asserting that the Bible records, rather than saying as it could have, he doth all things perfectly, it says he hath done all things well. You know, our goal tonight and always in our lives should be to do all things well. And what I mean by that is we need to endeavor to be good at all things that we're supposed to do and be. That should be our goal. And I believe the foundation, a starting place in our lives, if we want to do all things well, uh, is found in 1 Corinthians 4.2. You don't need to turn there. But it says it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You know, we'll never be those that do all things well in the sight of God if we're not faithful in what we do. There are too many hit and miss, up and down, flash in the pan, if I can say that, kind of Christians who've served God for a while, and some of them even well. And I'm not being critical of others tonight. I'm just saying we ought to strive to do all things well faithfully. Consistency consistently over the long term. We cannot be great at everything. None of us can. Probably not perfect at anything, but we can strive to do good at all things. The title of the message tonight is Good is Great. <laughs> good is Great. Somebody says, Preacher, what are the all things that we're to strive to do well? Or to do good, if I can say it in that way. And I would answer that by saying the important things in life all have to do with relationships. I learned a long time ago the most important things in life are not things. They're other people, aren't they? Most important things. And I believe that our responsibilities in life come from our relationships in life. In other words, we have responsibilities that come from our relationship to God. We have responsibilities that come from our relationship to our spouse. We have responsibilities that come from our relationship to our parents, to our children, and if you have those, to your grandchildren as well. We have responsibilities in life that come from our relationship to our siblings. We have responsibilities that come from our relationship to the Bible. Somebody says, you just said we're not talking about things here tonight. Well, this isn't really a thing. This is the living word of God. It's alive. And we do have a relationship with this book, be it a good one or a bad one. We have responsibilities that come from our relationship to this book. We have responsibilities that come from our relationship to our church family, to our employer, or if you're on the other side of things, to your employees. We have certainly relationships that come from our 
uh, we have responsibilities that come from our relationship with those that were involved in Christian service in their lives. We have responsibilities to our friends, to our community, even to our country. That's a pretty good list without me trying to see how long I can make it. But those are all important things in each of our lives that we have, if we have those relationships. And our goal should be to do all things well concerning these relationships and the responsibilities that stem from them. A good prayer for all of us will be, Lord, help me to be a good Christian while I'm a good husband or wife, while I'm a good son or daughter, while I'm a good parent or a grandparent, while I'm a good brother or sister, while I'm a good student of and adherent to the Bible. Lord, help me to be good uh, in uh, my relationship to my church family. Help me to be a good employee or if I'm on the other side, an employer. Uh, help me uh, to be a good Sunday school teacher or children's church worker or choir member or soul winner or several of the above, whatever might be in our lives, and we can list other things that have to do with Christian service. While I'm a good friend to my friends and while I'm a good citizen in my community, in my country, Lord, help me to do these things well in my life. And Lord, help me to do these things all at the same time. Amen? I mean, I can't take a day off or a part of a day off and say, I'm not a dad anymore. Right now I'm not a dad, I'm this. You know, while I was a pastor, I was a dad, amen? And, you know, we could go, I'm not going through the list again. Help me to do these things well at the same time. And, of course, in order, order to do that, we need to strive for some balance in our Christian life. I believe we ought to work at being good at all things before we get all wound up at being great at anything. truth being that there are very few five-talent Christians in the world. You know, you read and study the parable of the talents, and I know a talent was a measure of weight for money, but it, I, I think it's well applied to our God-given talents and abilities. I think the word fits there as well. Matthew 25, we read about that, and the one had five talents, the other two and the other one, and they were all uh, accountable for the abilities or for that which had been entrusted them. No one is great at everything, and truth is, some people are great at a few things while continuing to be good at doing all things well. I don't stand here in any form of false humility tonight at all in saying these things. I know that I personally am not great at anything. I know that to be a fact. If I could be great at one thing, I'd like to be great in my relationship with God. Amen. That'd be the best place, wouldn't it? But I stand before you tonight and I know that I am not a great preacher. I've endeavored to be a good preacher. I've endeavored to communicate the truths and the principles of the word of God faithfully and diligently to the lives of others that God might use those things in people's lives. But I know a few men that I would call great preachers and, but uh, I'm not one of them and I know that. I've endeavored to be a good preacher. I had to settle this long a time ago in my ministry I know there are men who can preach the gospel better than me, but nobody can preach a better gospel. That's good. Amen. <laughs> God honors the gospel. He honors the truth. God, God honors those things in our lives. And thank God for those that are great in that area of their lives. 
I'm endeavoring to be good. I'm not a great husband. You know, I found out this, guys. I found out when I got married, there's a whole lot more to romance than kisses and hugs. I was all about those things, amen? But then I learned, started to learn what a romantic is, what it means to be romantic, and I'm still, you know, I'm not the one to come to about that. I just want you to know that. But in my mar- our married life, I tried to get better at that and better at that, and, you know, there's always room for improvement, and I wanted to be as good as I could be in that area, and then I watched some Hallmark movies with my wife. And I'm telling you flat out, compared to those guys, I'm a simple dud. They do everything in the right setting. They say the right words. And, you know, they really play all that up. Of course, they have a script written for them. Why wouldn't they? But, but I just have to say this before I go on. Guys, could I get a... Amen to this. I ought to get some points for watching some Hallmark Moody Beast with my wife. Amen. <laughs> I'm not the one you'd call a great father in the sense that I was the one that was there for everything that my kids ever did. I wasn't at every ball game. I wasn't at every activity. I didn't go to the, all the practices. You know, you, you, you read about and hear about some of these guys that, man, they're there for everything for the kids. But the truth of the matter is, there were some other things that come under the heading of all things that I needed to be involved in when my kids were involved in things that I'd like to have been at. And so balancing it and carrying those things forth as we should. I'm not a great soul winner. Wish I could tell you I was. I'm not that guy that leads somebody to Christ every week. I've led people to Christ, and thank God I have. And I've endeavored to be a faithful witness throughout my life and ministry. I've endeavored to do that. Sometimes I redouble my efforts in those areas. But I have given out the word of God to others consistently, endeavoring to win people to Christ. And I've had the privilege, of course, in 40-some years, I've led a fair number of people to Christ, but I'm not a super soul winner. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's what I am. I'm doing it as well as I know how to. I'm not great at anything. But I'm striving to be, I'm striving to be good at all things. A few years ago, I heard a preacher make this statement. And boy, it, it impacted me. He made this statement. He said, I think that perhaps balanced goodness is a form of greatness in the Christian life. Balanced goodness. By the way, if you strive for balanced goodness goodness in your life, no one's going to write a book about you. You will probably never uh, uh, attain celebrity status because you're balanced in your goodness in the Christian life. But the truth is, many people excel in one or two areas and sacrifice goodness in many areas in the process. Not picking on people, I'm just giving a generality here. When you think about the truly great athletes, you know, the great professional athletes, you name the sport, it doesn't matter. And I'm not saying that none of them are balanced in their life, but most of them are not. 
Most of them have spent their lives trying to be the best they can at that one thing to the neglect of others. The truth could also, the same could be said about professional entertainers, many of them fall in that category. Even people who've uh, greatly excelled in the business world. Not all of them, but some of them have put that above too many other things. I wish I didn't know this to be true, but there's some that have attained what others might call greatness in some area of the ministry. But they've neglected other things in the process. It's a challenge to us, isn't it, preacher? It sure is. I don't know if you've ever seen this or not, but I saw, I've seen it a few times, but I saw it most recently at a, a uh, show I went to. If any of you have ever been to Branson at Dixie Stampede, I guess it's Dolly Parton Stampede now. But have you ever seen the performance of the spinning plates? If you've ever seen that, I saw that in a pre-show at that show one time. And it's where they have like a platform here and they have these rods coming up out of it like they look like a mop handle or something like that. And they're fastened at the bottom to where they can wobble but they can't move from there. You know, they can let the rest of it go that. And uh, that, it's, it's kind of a neat routine to watch because they'll have uh, six or eight or ten of these poles sticking up. I think the one I saw had about eight of them. And they'll take the plates like dinner plates and starts at one end and he spins it and he goes to the next one and he spins another one. He goes to the next one and he spins another one and he goes down until he has them all spinning and when he gets to this end, he has to run back here because this one's really starting to wobble. Yeah. <laughs> and he spins it and he spins it and he keeps going back and forth to keep those things going for a while. Could you imagine what that would be like if he said, I like these three right here in the middle. And he stays there and just spins the, those middle three, keeps him going. You know, he's going to have some plates that are crashing and breaking on the floor. For sake of illustration, each one of those plates represents one of the all things we're supposed to do well. And if we're not careful in our lives, as we pay too much attention to some and too little attention to others, we've got some plates that are crashing and breaking on the floor, and those plates represent things like family or personal spiritual life, Christian testimony, friends, personal ministries, lost souls, as we go down that list. I think we all ought to be more concerned about keeping all those plates spinning than we are concerned about having Greatness in one or two of those areas or several of those areas. I think we need to be careful about that. When I say good at all things, I'm using that for well. Definition of goodness that I'm talking about doesn't mean average. It doesn't mean mediocre. It definitely does not mean haphazard or slipshod where Jesus is the example and he did all things well. And that wouldn't be called mediocre, would it? We should strive to do all things well. Not everything perfectly, not everything in an excellent fashion, but the best we can while we do not neglect other areas of responsibility in our lives. Somebody says, well, that's really good, preacher, but how can we accomplish this? How can I do that? And I would say like we accomplish anything else that matters, Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. And so the way we do things that are difficult to do is with God's help. We need his help. 
Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But Paul wrote, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I think in order to do that, let me give you a nuts and bolts thing here, and I won't spend a lot of time on this part. But I think we need to understand, here's the goal in the broad picture. How am I going to get these things done? I think it's very important that we live, learn to live by schedule and priority. Yeah. Need to learn to live our lives that way, by schedule and priority. And this schedule and these priorities should be based upon our relationships in life and the responsibilities that come from those. In my years as pastor, I kept all the time, every Monday morning, I had a four by six card on my desk that was called to-do at the top, <laughs> my do list. And on mine down the left side, I would list the things that I know I need to get these things done this week. And then I'd have some other things that I want to get done but may not get to all these things. And I had some things that maybe could be hope so get these things done. Have some time for this. But I prioritize them, what I'm saying. And I think it's important that we prioritize things. And your schedule does not need to be extremely detailed. It doesn't need to be complicated because most of us have a lot of our week already scheduled before we ever start it. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? It's already scheduled. If you have a job, that takes a lot of time. I understand that. If you're in school, and especially if you're a full-time student, but even if you're a part-time student, you got a lot some time for that to get that done too. That's on your schedule. And you don't even have to write it down. It's already scheduled for you, isn't it? Hopefully church. Yes. Amen. Pretty well everything that goes on at church is on your schedule. I, I've been this my whole life, even before I was a preacher, even before I surrendered to be a preacher and God recognized the call and so forth. I endeavor to be an every time the doors are open kind of Christian. Amen. You know, if there's something going on in the church that involves me, and the reason I say involves me, I don't go to all the teen activities. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm pointing time in my life that that's not on my schedule. <laughs> Unless it's youth camp, and then I go and help with that. You see what I'm saying? But there's things that do involve you and could include you. Yep. Regular services and special services and maybe something for your age group or whatever it might be. That ought to be, have a priority in our lives. There's one other thing that's on our schedule and I wish it didn't have to be and it's called sleep. Some people more than others but all of us chunk of our life is spent sleeping. I wish I didn't have to do that, but I don't think right if I don't get sleep. Matter of fact, I can't stay awake. I mean, I can for short periods of time, but you know, it's an ongoing thing. It's a part of your life, isn't it? What I'm getting at tonight, as far as schedule is concerned, priorities, I would challenge you, make time for the important things that are being neglected in your life. Because all of us do have time every week of our life. We're choosing how to spend those hours, those minutes of our life. We need to make time for the things that are being neglected. And if you have a schedule, 
you need to have some flexibility in your schedule. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to adjust or even violate your schedule. You know, you make your plans, but sometimes things come up that God would rather you were there than where you plan to be. I'm glad this didn't, well, in some ways I wish it did happen a lot more often, but I'm glad most time when I'm preaching, all I'm thinking about is preaching. But years ago, I was a young pastor at the time, I was preaching on a Wednesday night, and while I was preaching, it came to my mind, you ought to go see Bill and Wanda while I'm preaching. I don't like those kind of things coming into my mind. And it's kind of weird how, you know, in, in, in what you would call a split second or, you know, didn't take very long, but I'm fussing about that while I'm trying to keep my thought, train of thought on what I'm doing. It's Wednesday night, okay? I don't go visit people, a lot of people after dark. These are a, a couple that had started visiting our services. They were lost, and I thought about that for a while. I thought, get back to your message. And went on a while later, those Bill and Wanda came into my mind again. And so I said, okay, and I went ahead and finished. And after service that night, I told Wanda, I said, we're going to go see Bill and Wanda. And I don't remember what she said, but I know she was thinking, it's dark. You know, it, was, it wasn't deep winter time, but it was, the, it was dark at that time of day. And uh, they lived in another town, not very far away, 10 miles or so, no big deal to get over there. He was an over-the-road trucker. And all the way as we drove out there that evening, I was thinking, we're driving out here and he's going to be gone. He won't be home on Wednesday night. And uh, drove up to their house and he'd park his, you know, his truck out in front and it was there. We went in and I thought, what are they going to think of me coming to their house tonight? And I knocked on the door and the door opened and it was a welcome. Hey, pastor, come on in. Invited me in, not a big story. Led them both to Christ that night. Amen. Baptized them. They became faithful members of the church for a, a, a decent period of time. Amen. Time came, they moved away, and then later on they came back and came back and he developed a brain tumor. It wasn't that old, I don't he would have been probably late 40s or early 50s. And he would get progressed, it was terminal, and he was in the nursing home and I said, I, my doubt self, I'm gonna go see Bill today. I wanna go try to encourage him. This is a bad situation. Went in there and we talked a while about different things and so forth and the tumor was advanced enough that it was affecting his speech. And I won't try to mimic it, but in very halting uh, words, he said, I'll tell you one thing, Brother Frank, sure glad you came to our house that night. <laughs> Glory, you know, hallelujah, that's a wonderful thing, you know. He was ready to meet the Lord. He had been saved. I found in my life, by the way, when the Lord impresses upon my heart to do something, I better do it. And you say, how do I know the difference? I don't know how you tell it, know the difference. If you get something in your mind you think you ought to do, you better go do it. I found out throughout my life, if, if somebody's on my heart heavy that I need to go talk to them about the Lord, uh, if, if it's there and, it's, uh, and I know it's something I ought to do, I go see them and I always have a good visit when I go. I don't say I lead them all to Christ, but you know you sow some seed. Make some headway. You're involved in the process and we need to learn to let the Lord violate our schedule. Amen?
Schedule a little time for yourself. You want to write out a schedule, make some time for yourself. I, I believe there's, and I'm not going to preach on the Sabbath tonight, but I believe there's a principle of the Sabbath in the Word of God. Amen. I believe we need to rest. We find that Jesus uh, told his disciples one day, they had been going day and night and working and all that, and he said, come ye, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. I've heard it said this way and repeated it. Uh, there's times we need to come apart lest we come apart. I think it's good to have a day off or at least a couple big parts of a couple days off. I think we function better that way. I don't have any statistics on it or data, but we have factories in our area and sometimes they go seven days a week and 12 hours a day and so forth. And I would like for somebody to shut those machines off on Sunday and let those guys have a day off and come back and see how much less overall that they produce. I know they would be more productive. But they're running it. They didn't ask me. But I do know that we need some of that time. Sometimes we need a vacation. Now, you need to not overdo the me time to the neglect. And I always told our folks, yeah, I'll take a vacation this summer, but don't take 20 days Saturday and Sunday every week, you know, 10 times. I'm not talking about that kind getting apart for a week or two or whatever you can and just relax and unwind. Let me say this about time and schedule, and I'm not on a crusade against these things. I'm just telling you the facts about them. Television and social media and computer games and many other things I could name, they are great time stealers. And I don't think it's wrong to play a computer game, but it's wrong to play it for hours a day and say, I don't have time to read my Bible and I don't have time to pray. And these other things, I'm not going to get all wrapped up in that tonight, but I'm telling you, if for no other reason, we need to be careful that we don't let them have too much of our time. To the neglect of the all things that we're to do well. A few things I want to give you about all things here. First of all, don't try to require greatness or perfection of others when the goal is to do all things well. Sad the times I've counseled couples that the gist of it is they're upset with each other because neither one of them's perfect. He's not the ideal that I thought he was. Can I tell you, ladies, every man I've ever met is a knothead sometimes, <laughs> including the one you're looking at. <laughs> and I don't know what you call ladies that are knotheads because you can't say that. But ladies can be the equivalent, can't they? Don't try to require greatness from your husband and wife or wife. Be thankful they're good. And parents, as much as we love it when our kids do well, they excel at something, let's not try to require that they excel at things all the time in every way. Anybody follow me here? 
Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. You can do that by pressing them too hard about things. Now, I think we ought to require them to not just school, but other things. We need to re, they need to learn to do some things, and they need to make progress and so forth, and we need to nudge them and sometimes get a little stronger than that about things. But not everything. And they don't have to be great at anything. Wouldn't it be good if our kids would just be good at being good? Amen? I mean, if our kids would grow up being good at being good Christians. If they're good Christians, you know, we have responsibilities as Christians to, uh, you know, we say, well, that's not a Christian. But I think academics and other things that we do, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. By the way, there's another side of that. Kids, you should not require that your parents be perfect because they're not. Most parents I know are still learning how to be parents up until the last one leaves. Thank God if you have good parents. By the way, a lot of kids spend, a lot of Christian kids, and not just Christian kids, but a lot of kids spend a lot of time upset with their parents and there's other kids would love to have your parents. We should not try to require greatness of all of our coworkers or any of them or our fellow church members. We can go down the line. Be thankful that they're good instead of fretting if they're not great. I believe good is great. I believe that preacher had something when he said that. Balanced goodness perhaps is the essence of greatness in the Christian life. My question is, are you striving to do well in all of your responsibilities that stem from the important relationships in life? Of course, it starts with the right relationship with God. You must be born again. I believe the ability to live life to its fullest starts at salvation. You need to be saved. It is about not going to hell, but it's also about being what God wants you to be while you're here. You need to be saved. And then if you are saved, you need to work on your personal walk with the Lord. Amen. A lot can be said about that. My question that would be is God maybe dealt with your heart about a neglected responsibility in your life. You may have came to this service tonight troubled about something you're neglecting in your life or maybe God used the message to speak to your heart about that. If he's dealing with you about a neglected area of your life, You need to, if I couldn't say it any better, get on the ball about it. Make it a priority. Make some time for it. Responsibilities to God, to your spouse, to your parents, to your children, to your siblings, to the Bible, the church, and all those things we mentioned. We need to make time for those things in our life. A philosophy I developed young in the ministry that I found to be true, and I know everybody's so busy, so busy, and they don't have time, and I believe that duties do not conflict when our priorities are right. We don't get to our duties like we should because we're spending time on things that are not our duties or too much time on some that are to the neglect of others. Duties do not conflict, I believe, when priorities are right. All of us would like at times to be able to be in two places at once, but it doesn't happen. 
so we're going to have to work at some of these things. And another thing, and I'm going to almost done here, but a tendency I, I'm sure you found out about yourself, we all have a tendency to do well at what comes easy to us. There's most enjoyable. And we do that to the neglect of the things that are difficult. Or undesirable. We need to be careful about that. When I was in high school, did pretty good as a student. And the things I liked were, I liked math and science. I mean, I liked chemistry. <laughs> I really enjoyed physics. I liked algebra, whatever level you want to take it to. Trigonometry, trigonometry I can say it. Calculus. When I got out of high school, I went to Purdue. I went to be an engineer. I actually liked my classes in physics and chemistry and calculus. Calculus was tough for me. You know, the, I don't even remember how to do them, but I remember differential wasn't hard, but integral calculus gets tough. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, and some of you say, what in the world is he talking about? <laughs> what I'm saying is, I did well at those things. God has a sense of humor. You know what I didn't like in high school? I didn't like literature. Wasn't a great fan of grammar. <laughs> and of all things, I didn't like writing. I had an English college prep course my senior year uh, in high school that was uh, a composition class, English composition. And I never had a class that hard in any of my college classes. We were write a composition every week and it was assigned, you know, details about it. But if, I had, if we had one mechanical error on our composition, we failed that composition. Now I will say the teacher had a little grace there. She'd go through it, tell us there was mistakes, and we didn't get a chance to straighten it out. She didn't always point out what they were, but they're in there. You better take care of that. Only time I ever did it in high school, my first semester, I got a D. I was playing on the tennis team. I like sports. I like them a lot better than English composition. <laughs> I remember taking that report card home and my mom, bless her heart, she didn't get all over me, but she said, pretty sure you could do better than that, couldn't you? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> And I made that, I, I didn't like it, but I made that a priority. By the end of semester, I had an A in that class and carried it through the second semester too. You know the Lord knows what he's preparing us for. Do you know what I've spent my life doing? Trying to speak English in a way that's not offensive to people and writing sermons and Sunday school lessons. And on our church paper, I wrote a weekly article for 43 years. 
You know, been a rough patch for me trying to do those things if I'd have neglected what I really didn't like. And I would have neglected it if I hadn't had some parental influence there and encouragement like I needed at that time in my life. But I know what a double negative is and I don't usually use them when I'm preaching. I don't usually use them anytime. Sometimes I get wound up in preaching and do something and I know what I did. Sometimes I, I correct it and other times I say, ah, oh, they got it anyway, let's go on. <laughs> but it's important. We're not talking about academics now. We're talking about life in other areas. You know, I've found some people love to go soul winning. They love knocking doors. Other people love music. Other people love working with their hands. And I thank God for the men in our church that fix our church buses. And we've built buildings and those kind of things and saved Hundreds of thousands of dollars doing those things. Thank God for those guys. But I have found that what they like, they'll spend a lot of time with, but unless they're exceptional one, they neglect the other things. And it's true, isn't it? I love good music, and you have great good music here. I love the choir tonight. That's a blessing. And I love this special today as well. You know, I have found, and this is a tendency, and it's not like an overwhelming tendency, thank God, but a lot of the people that are a great blessing in our music program never come out on visitation. I'm meddling now, aren't I? Yeah. Some of the guys love working with their hands. They're not real good at their daily Bible reading. You know, I've also found that some of them are in the choir and they like it and they help work on buildings and they don't really like it but they come anyway are you following what I'm saying Yes, sir. and they're there when it's outreach time too because they understand we're supposed to endeavor to do all things well yes. not just our favorite thing you know think about things you like to do some people love their job their profession others really love parenting. You know, some parents feel so inadequate, and I know that to be so. But if it's hard for you to lead your family, you still have a responsibility to lead your family. I believe that every boy is born to be a leader. It's his place in the home. He's born to be a leader. I want to phrase that so you understand. I don't think every boy is a born leader. Amen? But he's born equipped by God that he can lead if he'll try to learn how to do it. And men, shame on you if you're abdicating the leadership of your home to your wife because you feel inadequate or you're just insecure or whatever. You better get with God and get in the book. And if you've got no other resource, just read the book of Proverbs over and over again. It'll help you a lot. But you have other resources too. You have a pastor that can help you. Let's endeavor in our lives to do all things well. I keep saying, I'm almost finished here. Don't, this is another thought, real brief, and don't wear yourself down trying to be great at everything. 
I know people that do that. I know people that mess themselves up because they're so uptight about, I didn't do this perfectly. You do your best. Don't neglect what needs to be done. God never asks for better than our best. And by the way, if he needs better than our best, he'll make us better. That's called grace, the enabling grace of God. Don't wear yourself down trying to be perfect. And this is the challenge tonight. Please give more attention and effort to the things you have been neglecting. Consider that in your life and make some commitments in that area. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.